0: Hello, I'm Corinna Harrod, and this is the Monday Night Review. Hello, and welcome to episode 81. I have lost the connector thing, my husband keeps telling me what it's called, that connects my microphone to my computer. I have a horrible feeling that I've put it somewhere. I vaguely remember putting it somewhere where I'm not going to see it again. Anyway, so I can't plug in my (laughs) microphone. So we're microphone free this week, so I'm sorry if the sound's slightly off or you can hear a lot of background noise. If anyone wants to help me sort out microphones and earphones and sound stuff, you would be my love for life because it just is something my little tiny brain won't allow me to work out on my own i I do try and then i get confounded by google i hope you're all well i'm quite pleased we had a lovely little palette cleanser of harry houdini last week because this week we're going to be back on the murder also for those of you who are signed up to the Patreon, I really enjoyed last week's minisode and in fact I enjoyed it so much that it's available to everyone. So even if you're not a Patreon, which is very naughty of you, you can head over to the Monday Night Reviews Patreon and you can listen to the story of the 40 elephant gang. I think there's a couple of others on there that are free so you can have a little listen to some minisodes. And to everyone who is a Patreon, Thank you, you guys are the best. Today we are back in Britain, we're doing another British murder. This one I didn't know as much about as I would have liked and it's quite interesting how, well, it's just quite interesting how I know, don't know very much about it, but as we'll find out at the end, I should know more about it. So today we're going to talk about the Peterborough Ditch Murders. At 10 o'clock on the 30th of March, 2013, Newburgh police receive a phone call from a distressed man who'd been walking and found the body of a man in a ditch. The body was dressed in a black sequin dress and posed. We will talk about the posing a bit later, but it must have been fairly horrendous to find. The police go to the scene they see the body, they eventually get him identified as a 48-year-old Kevin Lee, whose family had reported him missing a few days before. And an autopsy would show that he'd died from multiple stab wounds to the chest. The next day, which Pretty quick for police. They named two persons of interest, Joanna Dennehy and Gary Richards. Both are very easily identifiable. Richards was seven foot three inches and Dennehy had a green tattoo beneath her right eye. So they told people to be on the lookout, told them that they were dangerous and not to be approached. And while all this was going on and they're looking for these two suspects, two more bodies are discovered. So police are then called to Fenland Field in Thornley near Peterborough, where another member of the public has found two more bodies, Lucas Slabowski, I'm really sorry about my pronunciation, and John Chapman. Now, autopsies confirmed that Slabowski had been stabbed in the heart while Chapman had been stabbed in the neck and chest. While... This is going on. Joanna Dennehy, Gary Richards and another man, Leslie Layton, have gone on the run. They've travelled over 100 miles away to Hereford and here they come across 64-year-old Robin Bereza walking his dog. And Dennehy jumps out the vehicle and just starts stabbing Bereza. Luckily, he would survive and later said, I felt a blow to my right shoulder. I turned around and I saw this lady and she just stared through me. When Beresa goes down, Dennehy gets back in the car and the trio drive on until she spots uh, another dog walker. This time it's 56-year-old John Rogers. Rogers is stabbed a total of 40 times but survives the attack with very serious injuries. He has two collapsed lungs, perforated... Um, intestines. He's in a really bad way. And both men are found by a passerby who immediately comes to their assistant, gives first aid. And this first aid is a, m- a huge contributing factor into there for survival, especially, I believe, for Rogers, whose injuries were really severe. And understandably, the local community are terrified. These men were just out walking their dogs. They're known to everyone. They, you know, they've got no sinister backgrounds. And people feel sure that there is a, a serial killer on the loose who's attacking people at random and in a frenzy. So police are able to track down Denahi using CCTV. She was seen buying tobacco at Petrol Station and then they traced her to a green Vauxhall Astra in Newton Farm. This is very British. I feel like a Vauxhall Astra is the sort of British equivalent of the VW Bug in California. So many American serial killers drove a VW Bug and here... I think it's a Vauxhall Astra. Now, two officers approach the car and they arrest Dennehy and Richards. Both are searched at the scene and Dennehy is found to be carrying a nine centimetre pocket knife that's caked in blood. And one thing that really stands out to the police from the moment she's arrested to this day is she's just she laughed. She joked. She smiled. Didn't care. Not in a nervous way that some people do. She literally couldn't care less. So Jana Dennehy is born in August 1982. She's a year older than me. In St Albans in Hertfordshire. She grew up in nearby Harpenden. And unlike most serial killers, she had a nice childhood. She, Her parents both worked, but they made an okay amount of money. She is described as a loving and sensitive child. She was incredibly bright and had wanted to become a lawyer. And this was her thing. She she wanted to do it. Her parents wanted to do it. She was on track to do it. And then suddenly she started to get in trouble at school. Her sister said it was like she woke up one day and had just changed her mind about Everything in her life. At the age of fifteen, Dennehy started going out with a twenty-year-old man. It's technically paedophilia. He swears that he didn't have sex with her until she was sixteen. She ran away from home. She started drinking and experimenting with drugs. And when she was sixteen, she and her boyfriend moved to Cambridgeshire. With Dennehy, was by now self-harming and always carrying a knife in the boot of their car. This is a huge turnaround from someone who wanted to be a lawyer and was by all accounts bright enough to do it to carrying around a knife, drinking drugs. Now, they have two children, but Dennehy's personality was changing all the time and her partner said when their first child was born he could see when she held the baby she felt nothing for it he said that he has a photograph of her holding the newborn and he was like you can just see there's she, there's she's just dead behind the eyes basically Dennehy's in and out of prison for theft and drugs charges. And eventually in 2009, her partner leaves her taking their children because he's so terrified of her dangerous behaviour. And he says the thing that tipped him over was that um, after an argument, she just started stabbing the the carpet, the floor. Um, and he said it was like she couldn't, see, like she was... There was just blank behind her eyes. There was nothing. It it wasn't like, you know, everyone says things like their eyes were flashing with fury or whatever. He said there was nothing behind the eyes and she was just stabbing ferociously and it terrified him. So he got the kids and he left. In February 2012, Dennehy was arrested for theft and then admitted to hospital for psychiatric Treatment. The courts mandated that this time she needed psychiatric evaluation, and she's diagnosed with psychopathic and antisocial disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, as well as borderline personality disorders, and paraphilia sadomasochism, which is where a person gains sexual excitement from pain and humiliation. I wonder how. There's not a lot of information on how she, how this got diagnosed. That's quite niche. As far as we know, she was being arrested for theft, maybe some drugs charges. I I believe she got some treatment, but she didn't attend for very long. And then a little over a year after this arrest, Joanna Dennehy began her 10 day killing spree. So by 2013, Dennehy was living alone in a rented room in a private residential building in Peterborough. Neighbours said she was initially friendly, but distant, They, although they were unaware of her past and her criminal record. And an older disabled veteran of the Falklands War, John Chapman, who also lived in the house, didn't share the opinion of the neighbours. He Was scared of her. He said to several neighbors that Dennehy was cold towards him and gave him a very uneasy feeling. Now the owner of the building was forty-eight-year-old Kevin Lee, and he gives Dennehy a job collecting rent and used Dennehy when he needed to evict people from their rooms because she was intimidating, and. Lee, though he was married and had kids, became infatuated with Dennehy and they began an affair. And from then on, Dennehy lived rent-free in two different apartment buildings that Lee owned. One thing that's very notable, I, I really hate commenting on people's looks because majority of the time it... There's no relation. It doesn't have any effect on the story. But what I think is quite interesting here is a lot of people who knew Joanna Dennehy when she was young say how pretty and attractive she was. And for someone, if you see pictures of her now, I, I don't feel like she is that pretty and attractive. But she obviously has this magnetism because Lee is not alone. She seems to have a magnetism that draws people to her. So she's living in these two different buildings that Kevin Lee owns. She's having an affair with him. She's, I think, drinking into drugs. And then she meets 31-year-old Lucas Slabouski. Uh, who had moved to the UK from Poland in 2005. Now, he met Dennehy in Peterborough around the 14th of March, and the two became friends. uh, Slabowski had said to friends that he thought she was his new girlfriend. He was obviously infatuated with her. And on the 19th of March, she texts him to invite her over to her house at 11 Rollinson Guard, and the two be- begin drinking. They, they have a bit of a session, and she then persuades him into letting her blindfold him. Once he's blindfolded, she grabs a knife that she had hidden and stabbed him one time in the chest, piercing his heart and killing him instantly. As far as we know, this is her first murder. Now, Denehy is petite. She's not very big, but she somehow managed to put Slaberski in a wheelie bin for storage. And at some point, she shows his body to a local 14 year old girl. But she obviously can't leave him in the wheelie bin forever. And so she calls her friend Gary Stretch Richards to help. And in the months leading up to the murder, Dennehy basically been using Richards as a sort of bodyguard, strongman, henchman, and he had, again, become infatuated with her. So she knows that he's going to help her hide this body. And so Richards and his friend Leslie Layton dump Slobodan, Slabowski's body in a ditch in Thorny Dyke, 10 miles east of Peterborough city centre. I don't know much about Leslie Layton, whether he was just best buds with Richards or whether he too was infatuated with Dennehy, but they both have no problem disposing of this body. Ten days after the murder of Soboski, 56-year-old John Chapman, who was the neighbour who didn't like Dennehy, it seems the only man to be immune to her charms, frankly, walked in on her in the bath. And she was really angry about this, and they had this huge argument. And Chapman actually told other residents in the house that he that what had happened, and that he was really scared of Dennehy's temper and aggression, and he was worried that something was going to happen. Then on the 29th of March, 2013, Dennehy attacked Chapman while he was passed out drunk in his room. She stabbed him once in the neck, severing his carotid artery, and then five times in the chest, two of which punctured his heart. And with such force that she broke his breastbone, she then calls up, her lackeys, Richard and Leighton, apparently saying, oops, I did it again. And the men come and put Chapman in the same ditch as they had Slabowski the week before. Later, a photo of John's remains would be found on Leighton's phone and it was time-stamped 7.32am on the 30th of March. So they have proof of When the body was dumped, it helps them with the timeline. I think, I mean, God, that the crime scene, there must have been a lot um, of blood at the crime scene if you sever an artery. But also, she is a small woman, the ferociousness to be able to break a man's breastbone is pretty terrifying. Um, And I'll, I'll have a bit of a chat at the end about the implications of this. But Dennehy's now got a taste for it. She would later say that she had a taste for murder now. And hours after she kills Chapman, she's looking out for her next victim and she knows just who it's going to be. She calls her boyfriend and landlord, Kevin Lee, to come over to her flat they drink some booze, have sex, and then she just starts attacking him. She stabs him repeatedly in the the chest, striking both his lungs and heart. And an autopsy would show that Lee had some defensive wounds, but actually died very quickly. And then using Lee's car, Dennehy, Richards and Leighton drive Lee's body to rural area of Newburgh, Uh, seven miles from where the previous two victims have been dumped and here Dennehy dresses Lee in a black sequin dress and positions his body on his stomach with his buttocks lifted up to further humiliate him. They then drive Lee's car to the rural area of Yaxley and set it on fire. Now this posing... One thing that everyone says is how she just shows no remorse. She doesn't care. This is partly why she's classed as being as dangerous as she is. Because she has no, it just seems to be no feeling for other people. Now, it, it's believed that Lee had issued an eviction notice to Richards and Dennehy, which might have given her motive um for this murder it might have explained perhaps why she was so angry with him but she knows his marital situation she knows he has children it's just for me the sequin dress and the posing is just so extreme and we don't often see it with women murderers i think i can't think of another female Killer who poses a victim. So later on, Richards and Leighton would both say, when questioned, that Dennehy was saying that she wanted to have nine victims to match Bonnie and Clyde. She basically wanted to to be the modern day Bonnie and Clyde, but with two Clydes and a knife instead of a gun. She also said she wanted to specifically target men. She didn't want to kill women especially not women with children. And Dennehy sabbed men for the purpose of entertainment, apparently telling Richards, I want my fun. I need you to get my fun. She later told a psychiatrist that she found murder to be Moorish and that after the first killing, she got a taste for it. In May 2013, Joanna Dennehy was charged with the attempted murders of John Rogers and Robin Bereza, both of them able to identify her by the distinguishable star tattoo on her cheek. Weirdly, I've always been very concerned about getting tattoos because I don't want to be identifiable. Um, Not that I'm planning on doing anything illegal, but for me, I'm like, why would you want to make yourself identifiable? Then he's linked to Kevin Lee. They know that he was having a relationship with her. They probably have his phone so they can see that he was spending the evening with her. And so she's charged with his murder. And then through further investigation, she's also linked to Slavetsky when text messages are found on her phone talking about the murder. Denehys also linked to John Chapman because they were neighbours and Chapman had told the other residents about the argument and that he was afraid of her. I'd also be surprised if they didn't have some form of trace evidence somewhere in his room because I think she didn't care about being caught. I mean, I think she would have liked to have completed nine murders. I don't think... She was worried about being caught. I don't think she was scared about being in prison. She'd been in prison before. She's just not that fussed. So I don't think she... I think she just carried a knife and did it. So I'm I'm fairly sure they will have found some form of thing linking her to the crime scenes. When Dennehy was on remand before the trial, prison staff found an escape plot in her diary. I mean, she's supposedly very clever. I'm not sure putting an escape plot in your diary is the best. So this involved killing a prison officer, cutting off one of the fingers and using the amputated finger to fool the biometric system in the prison, which does happen in quite a lot of films successfully. And because of the plot, Dennehy was placed in solitary confinement from September 2013 before the court proceedings, to September 2015, after the court proceedings. And she would later claim that isolation left her tearful and upset and led to self-harm. I mean, I don't want anyone self-harming, and I'm not sure how I feel about solitary confinement, but tearful and upset. I mean, you've killed three people and it really injured two more, whose families are probably feeling tearful and upset for the rest of their lives. It just seems like a really odd, you know... I felt tearful and upset the other day when I got a nasty letter through the post. Anyway, in November 2013, Dennehy pleaded guilty to all three murders and two further attempted murders, as well as preventing the lawful burial of her victims. She again laughed and joked and flirted the entire time. Her sister Maria was unsurprised by the guilty plea and said, I think she did that to control the situation. She likes people to know who's the boss. Now, Gary Richard and Leslie Layton stood trial, charged with a range of crimes relating to assisting Dennehy. Both decided not to give evidence in their defence, probably uh, wisely done. And the jury began deliberation on the 4th of February 2014. And on the 10th of February, Richards was found guilty of attempted murder and Layton was found guilty of perverting the course of justice. On the 28th of February 2014, at the Old Bailey, Denehy was sentenced to life in prison. The trial judge, Mr. Justice Spencer, ordered that she should never be released due to the premeditation of each murder. Spencer said further that Denehy was sadomasochistic and lacked the normal range of human emotions. He described her as cruel calculating selfish and manipulative stating within the space of 10 days you murdered three men in cold blood although you pleaded guilty you made it quite clear you have no remorse Richards was also sentenced at Old Bailey alongside Dennehy to life imprisonment with a recommendation recommended minimum term of 19 years Leighton was sentenced to a total of 14 years and. One criminologist would say about Dennehy having interviewed her was without doubt the most evil person I have ever met. After the trial, it emerged that the probation service who was supervising Dennehy at the time of the murders um, after she'd been convicted of assault and owning a dangerous dog, uh, they were assessed and it concluded that the staff dealing with her were inexperienced. I have friends who've got family members who suffer with a, a, a severe psychiatric problems, including schizophrenia, and it seems incredibly... There just seems to be huge holes in the system in dealing with this, and you would think that someone who had been continually arrested or imprisoned for theft and assault and this kind of thing and who's been diagnosed with quite extreme you know to be diagnosed with psychopathic and and hurting people to get sexual gratification that you don't get cured from those so I find it distressing that they are not keeping a better eye on this the High Court rejected Dennehy's claim that her human rights had been violated by being kept in solitary confinement. Um, government lawyers argued isolation was necessary due to the nature of Dennehy's offences and the risks she'd pose to the public if she were to escape, which I think is fair enough. Mr Justice Singh found solitary confinement was in accordance with the law um, at all material times it being been necessary and proportionate. And at the time, Dennehy was incarcerated in HMP Bronzefield in Surrey. Now, what's so interesting, because I did not know this, is Dennehy is one of only three women to be given life in prison with a whole life order, meaning there is no possibility of parole. Now, have a little think. Who are the other two women? Doesn't take a genius. The other two are Myra Hindley and Rosemary West. Now, Dennehy was moved to Her Majesty's Prison, Bronzefield, in 2014, where she assumed a swaggering, almost gangster-like persona. Criminologist Christopher Berry D, who met Dennehy and West, reported that Joanna Dennehy tried from the get-go to assert herself as top dog. Between 5 and 20 minutes after first arriving at Bronzefield in 2014, she said she was going to kill Rose West. Dennehy would likely have been regarded as a credible threat, not simply because she'd already killed several times, but because as a whole life prisoner, she had very little to lose from claiming a new victim. Um, In fact, probably murdering the only other woman with a whole life tariff would have probably been seen as a way to bolster her own position in the prison hierarchy. The importance of status among long-term prisoners is well known. Uh, Rose West herself reportedly falling out with her ex-lover Myra Hindley because, in the words of another prisoner who knew them both, there was talk that there was talk that because Rose was more famous than Myra, it had put her nose out of joint. What the actual fuck? Oh, anyway. Prison officers took the threat so seriously that Rose West was moved into solitary confinement for home protection before being moved to another prison. What I find so interesting is Myra Hinley and Rose West, I don't know if I'll ever be able to cover them. They were just so horrific that I know it's going to take it out of me to cover them. I probably will have to, but they were so awful and so publicly awful. You know, we know about them, the, the, the trauma they caused and the shock that women were capable of this. And yet Dennehy killed three grown men and injured, severely injured two more in a 10 day spree she must be really bloody terrifying because to compare her to Hindley and West and to consider her that dangerous and that much of a concern is fairly frightening. She must be. Uh, but um Hindley and West had unstable childhoods. They were ripe for the picking for men who were abusive. Dennehy had a fairly idyllic childhood. Whether she took some drugs that triggered these psychological changes, but for someone to go from being a sensitive and lovely child, as she's described, to being someone who has no remorse, no empathy, is quite unusual. And she, for all these people who have given her these psychological evaluations to deem her this dangerous is fairly terrifying. Now, she's had a lot of affairs with women. She was going to in, in prison, she was going to get married to one. It's hard to know whether the wedding is on or off. But she obviously has a magnetic something about her for her to have these people who are willing to overlook what she is capable of, who are willing to do her bidding. Um, And that is the story of the Peterborough Ditch Murders quite full-on the psychology the background to this really intrudes me and I try and do my own research I love listening to other podcasts but I try and dig into the sources as much as possible and there is not a whole lot of factual information and quite a lot of the information I found was from America one place got Norfolk and Hereford mixed up actual opposite sides of the country i'd love to know what you think so do send me an email themondaynightreview at gmail.com come and join the patreon www.patreon.com slash the monday night review you can find us on instagram tiktok and facebook at the monday night review and a huge shout out to the patreons thank you so much you're amazing i was watching an old. Rizzoli and Isles last night someone gets stabbed in the car wash from someone being in the back of their car so uh, we all know what I said be kind stay safe and always check the back seat before you drive